Hello and welcome to the Field Talk podcast from the Linder Farm Network, the voice of Minnesota agriculture. Doug McCallop is the chief agricultural negotiator in the office of the United States Trade Representative. McCallop offers some perspective on what's happening with U.S. ag trade, as well as some of the challenges. He also explains his unique connection to Minnesota in this Field Talk podcast. My role as a chief agriculture negotiator um, is to make sure that in cases where you've got the high quality farm product, we know there is a consumer out there around the globe who recognizes that quality, they want that farm product, that we don't have a government somewhere that is standing in between you, the producer, and them on the purchasing end. So that means breaking down barriers to trade, it means getting better market access in place for U.S. agricultural commodities. It means holding trading partners accountable for the agreements that they've already signed. And it means making sure that we have a reliable flow of our goods into those international markets. We have a lot to celebrate at this Farm Fest here in 2023. This year, the U.S. announced numbers that were record export numbers for agriculture. $196 billion of U.S. agriculture goods exported over the last uh, 12 months around the globe. To compare that number to just about five years ago, we were at $137 billion. So that's an over 30% increase in U.S. farm exports uh, just over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, really impressive growth and a real testament to all the hard work uh, that farm families all across Minnesota and across uh, the U.S. have exhibited. Those record trade numbers are in spite of some pretty hefty headwinds to trade. Um, we've had a very strong U.S. dollar, and that, that's good news uh, for many in the U.S. economy. But it means for a consumer in other parts of the globe uh, it makes it a little more difficult to purchase uh, those commodities when the dollar is so strong. Similarly, it's a tailwind for imports coming into the United States. Uh, so again, it, it discourages exports and encourages imports, but even in spite of that uh, strong U.S. dollar, uh, you all were still successful in setting a record at, at more exports uh, for 2022. In addition, uh, difficulties in shipping and difficulties on input costs uh, as well have, have provided some uh, headwinds for all of you. But again, uh, uh, record success even in light of that. And what that means for us is we need to continue to put our foot on the gas pedal and continue to do everything that we can to open market access for your commodities uh, around the globe everywhere that we can. Here's how we're doing that. And I'm going to talk about just a few uh, victories already in 2023 on tariffs. So uh, this year, Japan announced the um, expansion of its beef safeguard. This is a over $2.3 billion market for U.S. beef, and it will mean that Japan will accept uh, even more beef uh, in 2023 uh, than it did in that $2 billion market last year. And that's a, a really big uh, change and a really big victory for U.S. farms, including those in the cattle industry uh, right here in Minnesota. In addition, Japan announced uh, changes to its ethanol import policy, which will mean uh, that the U.S. can capitalize 100% 
on the road ethanol market in Japan. That is a 200 million gallon plus market in Japan for our ethanol products. So that's a, a really big uh, opportunity for us to capitalize on going forward and a very welcome change uh, that Japan has instituted. In addition, uh, the country of Jordan in the Middle East eliminated its tariff on fertilized eggs uh, about two months ago. Uh, so the U.S. Uh, producers can uh, 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 or utilize that opportunity in Jordan. That's over a $150 million market uh, in Jordan for, uh, for U.S. egg products. And then the country of India has made about eight changes in tariff policy this year uh, that have a tremendous opportunity for U.S. farmers. So uh, earlier this winter, India eliminated its tariff on industrial ethanol. They reduced their pecan tariff by 40%, and they made uh, changes to tariffs on animal feed, uh, which all benefit U.S. producers. Just about a month ago, Prime Minister Modi uh, was in Washington, D.C. for a state visit and state dinner with President Biden. And uh, as part of that visit, India announced the elimination of its uh, retaliatory tariffs on U.S. apples, uh, pecans, uh, walnuts, uh, and there are some additional work going on uh, for another tranche of, of tariff changes with India. So uh, this is the largest population in the globe and a really, really important present and future uh, trading partner for the U.S. So we will certainly be putting a lot of effort into the India market and uh, there are tremendous gains to be made for Minnesota farmers uh, going down the road with India. But all of those changes I just rattled through there, and it was probably over 10 uh, tariff changes, all have happened within the year 2023, so just in the past uh, six months. So again, we're going to keep our foot on the gas pedal and continue to, uh, to push for those kinds of changes because it's going to make a difference for your farms out there. The $196 billion record export on trade is not only a reason to celebrate just in terms of gross receipts, but it also is making a difference in terms of farm program outputs as well. And what I mean by that is that the United States uh, has to notice, as all countries do, uh, its public support for agriculture. And we are fixing to report about a $13 billion reduction in public support for agriculture as a result of not having to make up for uh, trade war payments and payments that were the result of the pandemic and decreased markets around the globe. So that's good news for everybody here in the WIC building uh, this morning. That means that you all are connecting with, with consumers Sales are getting done. You're able to grow for the marketplace. And I know that's something every farmer wants to do. They want to be able to put a crop in the ground, have a willing buyer out there. And we need to do everything we can to continue to support that and increase uh, the number of uh, uh, consumers and marketplaces that we are able uh, to successfully sell products into as well. So what lies ahead for the future? Uh, the Biden administration is uh, working on a, a few very large uh, initiatives. I want to talk about a couple on the accountability side, and then I'm going to talk about a couple in terms of opening up new places uh, to sell your goods in around the globe. On the accountability side, uh, we are very heavily engaged with Canada right now on its dairy policy. We successfully won in November of 2021 
a case uh, relating to Canada's uh, uh, openness to U.S. dairy products. Unfortunately, Canada hasn't implemented as part of the outcome of that case meaningful changes to dairy imports uh, to, its, to its nation. We're still not able to have full retail access for cheeses and milk products. We don't have meaningful, uh, large-scale uh, openness to, to U.S. dairy products. So we launched a second uh, case under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada uh, agreement, the USMCA. The panel was convened this summer and uh, they are nearing completion of their work. And so we are anticipating here uh, by the end of summer, early fall, to have the outcome of that case uh, brought out. But the uh, efforts that USTR and the administration have been making have been to laser focus on those areas where Canada has fallen short of truly opening up its market to US cheese and milk products. And we will continue to keep at this until market, uh, the market actually reflects the promise that farmers were getting under USMCA. This, this battle is not over, and it's something that we will continue to push and fight for. Secondly, for our neighbors to the south, Mexico um, has, over recent years, uh, decided that making proclamations and presidential decrees related to grain imports would be something that would be popular with voters and people within Mexico. Unfortunately, those presidential decrees have not followed science and they have not been based upon the notion that a country's decision to either import a product or reject it has to be based upon a risk assessment and it has to be based upon sound science. So um, the US Trade Representative uh, in, in uh, Washington uh, launched dispute uh, settlement uh, process with Mexico over its approach to biotech corn and other biotechnology products. Um, we have been engaged heavily with the Mexicans and similar to the dairy dispute, we will continue through the dispute process until we have achieved meaningful changes in policy that actually reflect science and ensure that your grain products are being given fair and equal treatment in the Mexican market and in all markets around the globe. This is uh, very, very important for us and very important for all farmers. I've been very impressed. I get to travel across the U.S., uh, meet with a lot of farmers as I travel internationally to meet with trading partners. And farmers will come up to me who are not even involved in the grain trade. Uh, we had an almond producer in California uh, some folks that were involved in, in poultry and eggs in, in Texas, uh, some others in specialty crops in Florida. And all of them came up to me and they said, we really appreciate what you are doing on the Mexico biotech case because if we allow countries to ignore science in this area, they may very well ignore it for my product. And so what this has shown me is that farmers in the U.S. are unified together uh, across sectors, across livestock types, across grain and even specialty fruits and vegetables to say no one is going to mess with the U.S. and we're going to stick together until we see this through. And I think that's something to be really proud of and it's something that certainly makes our work and our case a lot stronger as we engage with trading partners uh, around the globe. A few other big initiatives I want to mention. Um, you know, certainly China is a major marketplace for 
all agricultural exports out of the U.S. As I was driving uh, down from the Twin Cities this morning, couldn't help but think that you know, almost one out of every four rows of soybeans that I saw, almost uh, one out of every four rows of corn, uh, in some shape or fashion, is destined for Chinese uh, consumers. But demographic data, uh, growing middle class data throughout Asia, shows us that there are many, many countries in Southeast Asia and throughout that region that can, should, and will be important markets for our products in the future. I'm talking about countries like the Philippines, Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand. Uh, all of these uh, countries show tremendously growing middle classes who have a very strong interest in the things that Minnesota farmers are growing. So that is the reason that the administration launched the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. We have 12 countries that are part of the agriculture chapter. And that trade discussion is focused on getting much more reliability and transparency in trading protocols to make sure that we don't have disruptions of trade, to help minimize the overhead costs for exporting to those countries, and to provide a lot better continued uh, market access uh, throughout Asia. So this is a really, really important initiative. I can't underscore the potential economic gains that are uh, located in the Indo-Pacific uh, framework that can have a really big uh, difference for your bottom line. Similarly, we are mirroring that effort in Kenya, uh, as well as in Taiwan. Uh, so there are trade discussions happening uh, both in Africa and with the country of Taiwan as well. Uh, to expand market access and to get similar uh, types of gains uh, for those countries. So if you haven't been able to tell uh, uh, by now, I'm pretty enthusiastic about uh, trade and about agriculture. Um, but I wanted to share just a couple uh, stories uh, about what Minnesota means to me personally and what Minnesota means to my family. I mentioned I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm from a, a rural family in northwestern part of the state. And uh, when I was a young man, uh, my father, who uh, was a lifelong diabetic, needed a kidney transplant. And um, our small town doctor did a bunch of research and he said, well, there's only one surgeon in America who is performing uh, transplants on diabetics. And that's a doctor at the University of Minnesota. Uh, Dr. John Nigerian is the guy's name. So we did a lot of um, background work, and my grandma uh, was able to be the donor for his kidney. Um, and we were able to figure out that we could actually schedule a surgery for him to get his transplant. But we had a couple major uh, obstacles. One was how to travel to Minnesota, and the other was how, how would we afford to stay in Minnesota uh, for the transplant to take place, because it would be really back then a six-week, uh, multi-month uh, type of situation. So my family was on the phone with the university and somehow it came up in the conversation that we had a camper and uh, the staff said, we need to get back to you. And they took a few days and they said, if you are able to bring your camper, we'll let you park in the Minnesota Gophers football stadium parking lot and you can stay there uh, as long as you need to. So uh, we drove the camper to Minnesota uh, my grandma, my mom, I, we all stayed in that camper for uh, July, August of 1978. So I tell that story for two reasons. 
one, the transplant was a success. And uh, the kidney served my dad for decades. The reason I tell the story is that Minnesota innovation made the difference in people's lives. Not just in the biomedical field, but I look at all of you and I think of your farms and the beautiful farms I saw driving down from Twin Cities this morning. You all have innovation on those farms. America has always led the way on innovation, biotechnology, no-till, hybrid seeds, and all of those benefits from that innovation make a difference, not just for the productivity, but they make a difference for the health of the consumer, the product safety, compatibility with soil and water resources, and that is something that Minnesota continues to provide, not just for the U.S., but for the world. It's something to be really proud of. Thanks for listening. Find other Field Talk podcasts at linderfarmnetwork.com and stay up to date with markets and farm news on your local LFN affiliate.